Congregation, the scripture reading is Psalm 133. Psalm 133. And the title above this psalm is a song of a sense of David. And this is the word of God. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And we focus on the first verse of this uh, psalm, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ congregation, let me introduce this sermon on the first verse of Psalm 133 by pointing to the last words of this psalm. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And that that blessing is commanded it's certainty when God commands something it it will happen think of how the Lord spoke at the beginning at creation he commanded and it stood forth he said let there be light and it 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 came to be so when God commands blessing and then in particular also life forevermore it'll happen there's nothing There's nobody who can stop that. No man, no devil can stop that blessing and that life forevermore from coming about. And on on who or or where or or what does the Lord command that blessing in life? On one place and one place only. And that's where brothers dwell in unity. That's where he commands blessing and life forevermore to descend. And so it's important that we consider that that as church, as communion of saints, as brothers and sisters united in Christ here, that we think about that. This is where God commands blessings, life forevermore. So I preach to you the word of God as we find it in the first verse of Psalm 133 with the words of that verse's theme, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell in unity. And we'll pay attention to three things with respect to those brethren. And I also add, we can also add sisters here. They have one father in the first place. Secondly, they have one dwelling place. Thirdly, they have one desire. First of all, they have one father. Now above this psalm, it says it's a song of ascents. Israelites came together to Jerusalem from all over, drawn to celebrate those three great feasts in the city, in Zion. And they came together, all these different people came together around the temple, city and temple full of pilgrims worshiping God. And those pilgrims were not strangers to one another. They had a very definite connection with each other. They were 
brothers and sisters of each other. That's how it is in the church. The church of the Lord. You're all brothers and sisters of one another. Like the Lord Jesus stated, Mark 3, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister. He said, the church consists of brothers and sisters. And what does that mean, that you're all brothers and sisters? Brothers and sisters in a family don't necessarily always get along with each other. Maybe you've experienced that in your family as you're growing up, that you fight with your biological brother or your biological sister. You don't get along that well. Usually those, those arguments are about nothing, really, right? You treat them badly then, worse than you treat your friends. Why do you treat them worse than your friends? Well, because your friend can always say to you, well, forget it, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. But your biological brother or sister can never say, well, forget it, I don't want to be your brother or your sister anymore. They'll always be and remain your brother and sister. You have the same parents. You have a bond with them that can't be broken. Even if you lose contact with a brother or sister, they'll always remain your biological brother or sister. And that, that bond is similar to, to that in the church of the Lord. You're brothers and sisters of each other. All adopted into God's family through grace in Jesus Christ. Of ourselves, along with the rest of mankind, we're all worthy of eternal punishment in hell. We're all in death row, we could say. Fall short of the perfect holiness and the love that God requires us, of us every day. But then he, the righteous judge, says, I've appointed my son to take the full punishment for all your sins and shortcomings in your place so that you may live with me instead of ending up being cast into eternal darkness and loneliness with Satan and his host. And I made an agreement with my son that will also take you up into my family. You can dwell in my house. You can eat at my table. You are heir of all things that belong to me with my son. I'll be your loving and eternal father with a capital F. Now, if you think about that, that's, that's awesome, right? So many people in the world to, today only, only just see this world. Two-dimensional. They see two-dimensionally. They don't believe there's anything more than what we see and, and we can see and hear and touch. And so they, they end up living by their own sinful desires and emotions. They don't realize that they're on a sinking ship here. And unless they repent, they're destined to live in eternal darkness and loneliness far away from God. But God has called you brought you to Christ. Many of us in the family context, born and raised in the covenant with God's gracious promises, it was signified and sealed at your baptism that God the Father establishes an eternal covenant of grace with you and adopts you 
for his child and heir. And not just you individually, but along with many others into his family. God has many more children, adopted them too as his children in Christ. And they're your brothers and sisters in God's covenant family. And it's a miracle that you of all people can belong to that family. Do you see that? God's family. Do you acknowledge that? Amazing that in this broken world that is falling apart, I can belong to the family of the Almighty and Holy God. God the Father's family. And oh, if I, if I, even if I have to take the lowliest spot in God's family, I'd still be so thankful just to be part of it. I can belong to God's spiritual house, His church, where I'm spiritually cared for and fed by my Father in heaven with His word of promise, the gospel. And you know, if, you, if that's how you see it, you'll be a thankful and faithful member of your father in Christ's family. Then everything the Lord God gives in the congregation here is awesome. Awesome to you. Every crumb in the Sunday sermon, you're hungry for it. Every baptism and Lord's Supper celebration, every home visit, sadly, we can so easily get used to everything in the church, can't we? It becomes kind of run-in-the-mill. Sermons become run-of-the-mill. Sacraments are nothing special anymore. And then it can even be that you start getting critical about what goes on here in church and worship. It's all just too boring. It needs to be livened up, and you, you lose the amazement that of all people in this world, God has gathered you into his family with the other brothers and sisters here. See, the thing with those brothers and sisters of the same biological family, if your own biological family, is that brothers and sisters in a biological family don't choose each other. And it's the same with that spiritual family of God in Christ. You didn't choose these brothers and sisters here. You didn't pick them. Yes, you, you choose your friends. They, they share the same interests with you, like the other, they, you like their character, you agree with their views. But you didn't choose the brothers and sisters here. God gave them to you. He adopted them in Christ as his children, just as he adopted you in his family. Parents and their children, all God's family, brothers and sisters of each other. Even more than biological family. It's a, being brothers and spiritual brothers and sisters is a stronger bond than being biological brothers and sisters. Biological brothers and sisters can sometimes become estranged 
and then they don't communicate with each other anymore. Sometimes never again. But the spiritual bond is unbreakable. It's a common bond of love for our big brother, Jesus Christ. That love for him draws us together in this family. It translates into love for one another. Brothers and sisters here, you belong to this family of God here in this place. And then you have to think too, what, you have to ask yourself, what kind of a family member am I to my brothers and sisters? Are you a member of this family in name only or also in heart? Have you professed your faith out of tradition only or out of sincere love for your Lord and your God and his family? Do you attend the Lord's Supper out of custom or because you seek your life outside of yourself and your big brother, Jesus Christ? Do you love being member of God's family? Does it amaze you and give you you joy belonging to this family? Do you love all the brothers and sisters he has given you in this family? Do you show them love as your brothers and sisters? Do you seek good connection with them? Reconciliation when that connection is damaged? And do you give when the deacons collect for brothers and sisters in need? You see, it's all brothers and sisters of each other who care about each other have the same gracious and loving Father in Jesus Christ. We come to the second part of the sermon. Our text says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Dwell. They have one dwelling place. That's the second part. They live together. They live together in unity. In other words, they have one one address one home that's how it's supposed to be isn't it the family lives under the same roof eats at the same table they dwell together in one place as a family and that's why it's so painful when there's deep division in the church about things which are not specifically required in the bible or agreed upon by churches in the in their order or when people simply withdraw from church for selfish reasons that's that's painful should remain painful when a brother or sister steps away from the family. You see, brothers and sisters will want to dwell together in unity in one place, in other words, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the text, you notice too, it doesn't talk about a, a temporary, has, imply a temporary place to stay, like a hotel. You know, you, you leave a hotel after a while. And if the staff isn't nice and the bed sleeps poorly, you leave earlier than planned. You have the right to do that. But it's different when you dwell with brothers and sisters in one family. 
Dwelling expresses permanence. A dwelling place, even if there are sometimes differences between brothers and sisters. You don't just leave because you don't like some of them anymore. No, a family belongs together. And you need to work that out. And that's how it is with the church of Christ. Even, even if you have to move due to circumstances, you seek to, to belong to your father's family and the place you move to. Even if you simply travel somewhere else, you seek out the family there. The thing is, congregation belonging to the Father in Heaven's family calls for faithfulness to that family, unity. You defend your Father, and you love your brothers and sisters, even if they aren't always so nice, and if they have irritating habits and don't always agree with your views on things or your opinions. You stay true to the family, even if you don't always get your way, even if you wish some things were different. It's your dwelling place. Of course, if you're not being fed or if you're being abused, then you realize you're not with your father's family anymore. And then you need to leave. But otherwise, you stay with the family. And there's something else to living with brothers and sisters in your father's house in a permanent dwelling. In a hotel, you meet each other in the hallway and say hi, and you, you, that's all you do. And then you walk on. You don't have much to do with the other people in the other rooms. And they don't have much to do with you. You lead separate lives. But it's different in a family dwelling. In a family, you converse with one another. You tell one another all kinds of things. For instance, at table during mealtimes, this is what happened to me today. This is what I think. This is what I feel. And you get to know each other as you really are. Also one another's weaknesses. And in a family you experience things together. Celebrations. Death. Sickness. And you pull together as a family. You're involved with each other. You encourage and comfort one another. In a family you also correct one another. You see somebody losing touch with the family and with the father. And if you miss one another, if someone isn't there at table, for instance, hey, where's my brother? Or where's my sister? See, all that is implied with that word dwelling in the text. Dwell. You live together as brothers and sisters in God's family. Dwell in unity. You tell each other all kinds of things. You speak with each other about spiritual matters. For instance, that Bible study. Let's not be or, or stay strangers to one another. Talk with one another about what you experience together. Worship services, sermons, your life. Ask or give advice about how to live as God's child. Talk about your struggles Correct one another out of love for each other. And then, as brothers and sisters, you also miss someone if they hardly or never show up when the family's together. A young person, maybe, who doesn't come home anymore. You seek him out in love as brother or as sister to remind them the father 
wants you in, uh, he wants you with the family on Sunday. Congregation, let that love be among everybody here. True, brotherly, and sisterly love and care as in a family. That love is, as it says, verses 2 and 3 of our psalm, like the precious oil or like the dew of Hermon, which runs down. Notice that it, it comes down from above, that love. It comes from God himself through Jesus Christ, our big brother. He came to seek and save. He was not ashamed to call us brothers. He gave his life for his brothers and his sisters when they were still sinners. He stayed faithful when people despised him and hated him for speaking the word of his father. He remained faithful and loving when they arrested him and they beat him and they crucified him. Love comes down from him, from above. And we need to receive that from him via his word and spirit. Every Sunday when the gospel is opened here, he sends his spirit down to work his love in the hearts of the brothers and sisters, his family, his father's family. And when we open the Bible at home, and you notice then, <clears throat> I need his spirit to work that love in my heart, heart and to, to keep that love there, that love and concern. I want to be with the family when the gospel is opened and the spirit pours out Christ's gifts so that I can learn to love the brothers and the sisters too. More and more. And sure, whoever gives away little love isn't going to receive much from above. But whoever shows much love towards the others in the family will want to take in more love from above, from the gospel of God's love in Jesus Christ, as much as they can. We come to the last part of the sermon. The brothers and sisters also have one desire. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity. Good and pleasant. It's wonderful to dwell in the same house. But if there's conflict, there's quarreling among brothers and sisters, it could be a very unhappy place to be. How good and pleasant it is when there's unity in the church, in the Lord's family. Unity, one desire. And you know where that unity in a family shows then? In eating and drinking together, sharing a meal. Mother calls the family together, dinner's ready, and everybody comes together at the table. Well, you can compare the, the consistory to a, a mother like that, a parent, calling the family together here. Elders, minister have the responsibility to serve the food and drink of eternal life here. And they ensure that the word is faithfully and truthfully served here. They ensure that the sacraments are administered here according to the word. And that, that's what binds you all together here. That one gospel of Jesus Christ crucified for sinners, for all of us. And yes, singing the same songs together with heart and mouth in unison in the worship services. That confirms that in your heart. It's, we're not just singing for the fun. This is... This is unity when we sing and praying together, coming to the Lord together and giving offerings for the needs of brothers and sisters who are in need and all here and farther away too. That unites us all outwardly but also inwardly. 
And then we're all united in purpose, united in seeking the glory of our Father in heaven. That's the desire of all the brothers and sisters, to hold our Father's name high in everything. Pursuing holiness, to be holy as he is holy. Holiness in lifestyle, in walk, in talk, in the families. Holiness in the congregation, in the community. One goal, one desire among all the brothers and sisters. And then also united and caring about and for the father's family. All the members of the family have the well-being of the family at heart. All the brothers and sisters look for the good of the family. Everyone has their own callings and ability. One's good at that and the other something else. Like in your own family, everybody pulls together to make things work. One can prepare the meals, the other takes the garbage out. Everybody has their own task. And it can't be that there are family members who never do anything. That just can't be. What are your strengths? What do you do with that for the well-being of God's family? Maybe you figure you can't do much except pray. But prayer is especially important. It binds the family of God together in unity too. It's good if on Saturday evening you pray for a blessed Sunday for the whole congregation, for all the brothers and sisters, that the Spirit may work mightily in everyone through the Word and the sacraments, in my heart and everybody else's too. And if you pray that that person who's been missing often might be here on Sunday in the family context. And you pray for growth in membership from within and outside the church. You pray for the catechism classes, seniors who have declined in competence. They, can have, they have a special calling in this. They, are, they are, need to be the prayers for the brothers and sisters. Oh, to be brothers and sisters dwelling in unity like that congregation. If we want to know more about what that means, we have to look at our big brother, Jesus Christ. He knew and loved his father perfectly. And he loved the family, gave himself for the family. He sought his father's glory in everything. When he was on earth, his food was to do his father's will, even when he was despised for it. Something to think about. But also always sought the well-being of God's people, God's family, even when he was severe in what he said. But he gave himself for his father's family, prayed constantly for it. How often have we been told that he withdrew to a place to pray, and that was, you'll be sure he just didn't pray for himself and his own wants and needs for the family of God. Our desire and our prayer ought to be that his spirit may, that our spirit may conform to his spirit, to his image. Oh Lord, make us all more and more like you, our big brother. Wonderful if you think about it. To all be brothers and sisters of one another here one family 
that we dwell together here in unity, one in heart and desire, overriding desire. For it says in the last verse of Psalm 133, as we mentioned, there the Lord has commanded the blessing where brothers and sisters dwell in unity. And that blessing is like the oil poured on Aaron's head which runs down on his beard and clothing. That anointing oil, very fragrant, specially blended anointing oil. Sweet smelling. Congregation, that that has to be here. Then other people are attracted to the sweet smell where brothers and sisters live together in unity where love lives in the family. There other people notice the sweet aroma of the Spirit of Christ. He gives rest, peace, hope in the middle of life here, which is so easily assaulted by all kinds of distractions and temptations. What a blessing then to be part of the family. And the psalm also mentions then the dew of Hermon. That mountain, Hermon, caused dew to fall on the dry mountains around Zion and caused things to grow there. It's a metaphor for growth with God from above through the Spirit of Christ. Growth in holiness, love, desire to glorify God, fruits of thankfulness can grow. That's what also the blessing the Lord has commanded. Do you see, congregation, do you see how good and pleasant It is to dwell together in unity. God commands blessing. And especially then, life forevermore. We so easily take it for granted that we belong to God's church here. And then we get annoyed at this and that. And you easily end up with some issue in the family. And brothers and sisters who have opposing views dig in their heels. And then instead of God's family, the church becomes more of the hotel where everybody just walks past each other. That can happen. And then the devil rubs his hands. (laughs) Busted up the family. He doesn't want to see God in Christ glorified. Doesn't want prayers to be offered up for one another. And then there's no sweet smell anymore. But a sour smell, bitter. No congregation. All of us need to watch and pray that brotherly love may continue, as it says in Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue, brotherly and sisterly. And then the Lord will also command those spiritual blessings to descend on his family here. And then all of us in unity will grow together in unity, grow in the desire for that greatest blessing of all, which Christ has obtained for his brothers and sisters and which God commands for them, mentioned at the end of this psalm, life forevermore. Amen.